Hello, welcome to Pod Rocket. With me today is Nolman Chow, our engineer. Welcome back, Noel. Hello, yeah, thanks. And Adam Argyle, uh, developer advocate at Google, focusing on CSS. Did I butcher that? <laughs> Nailed it. No, it was <laughs> <Okay>. awesome. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, thanks for joining us, Adam. Can you start? Yeah, just tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of what you're working on. Yeah, I am on the Chrome team. I listen to developers and their struggles building front ends and UI. And um, I relay that back to the developers that work on Chrome specifically in the PMs. And I also am on the CSS working group where I relay that information there as well. So I try to be a liaison between where are your pain points and how can CSS remedy them? Uh, And I work with sort of both sides of the teams to find these new, new things. Wow. Yeah. No small, no small feat for sure. Um, I just have a question right off the rip. So uh, we just talked to Josh Como um, a couple of weeks ago, maybe it was last week. Um, and he was on a podcast. He was talking about how on Twitter, there's kind of like a constant drumbeat of like CSS sucks. Um, <laughs> and how do you kind of like feel about that? Um, how does that fit? Does that fit into your feedback loop? That sort of stuff. Absolutely. So yeah, when I started, uh, I knew that walking into it, I was like, and I've known this for my whole career that people are like, "Ooh, you like CSS? You must not be very good at code. Do you even know what Node.js is? I'm like, seriously? Are you? Okay, whatever, fools. Um, And I don't know what the community um, reasoning is. I think that there's just like this general consensus that HTML and CSS aren't programming languages, which to me is uh, ridiculous. You show them to your mom, your mom doesn't know. She says that's code you programmed that right like how is that not obvious enough but then furthermore i have a, a show called the css podcast with yuna kravitz and we talk about css is typed it's been typed since day one and it's just a really resilient typed language which you're not used to writing so maybe you think uh it's not a language or whatever but it's full of functions and types pure functions all the nine like all these computer science concepts are there in css so uh, recapping, going back to the original question, I like that people struggle with CSS. What's weird is I think it's just okay for everyone to be really vocal about it. Like no one tells every anyone else that TypeScript is hard. Everyone goes, oh, TypeScript. I just love it. Everything it's doing for me in my workflow is so good. And meanwhile, they're in the background going, oh, crap, why are my types working? I extended that thing and now it's all doing weird stuff and I have to go hack TypeScript to know my TypeScript. And anyway, so they're like struggling uh, and all these other languages like Rust, like Rust is hard and everyone's like, I love the struggle. Um, but for some reason, the struggle with boxes, the struggle with boxes just really, uh, just people hate it. They're just like, I just want the box over there and I've spent five minutes on it and I'm super frustrated. And I'm like, you just spent eight hours on Rust and TypeScript. Like, why is five minutes in CSS such a big deal? Um, but anyway, uh, a lot of it is valid. Things are hard. Centering is hard. There's a lot of different ways to center. This drives people nuts. They're like, I just want center. And you're like, sorry, uh, what kind of centering do you want? Do you want you know, vertical and horizontal? Do you want it dynamic? Ah, sorry, this is not an easy one. I know it sounds easy, but like... So um, anyway, I like that people struggle with it. It also makes me um, think that I'm somehow doing something extra difficult. Like, wow, you're good at CSS. That really is something. I'm like, it's not, but whatever. It's like just being good at any language. So from my perspective, I'm like, people dink around and they tinker and they bump their head against every language they ever write all day. And for some reason, everyone's just cool with 
saying CSS is stupid or whatever. And they're just like, it's hard. And uh, look at me, the cascade, I hate it. And they're like, okay, well, you like inheritance patterns, right? Like in JavaScript, like why don't you, whatever. Uh, so anyway, I just think uh, it's a little misdirected, but it's okay. And I like to hear the feedback because it can inform the language to become a better language at the end of the day. Um, and everyone has the right to their own opinions. So I'm happy that folks feel, feel very free to voice their mind about it. Um, but yeah, those are my little two cents on it, I guess. Totally. totally. Yeah. I guess, yeah, like, I I feel like people have a, a tendency maybe to not kind of fully grasp the inherent complexity in just making things look nice. And that might lead to, like, a lot of that frustration out of the gate. Like, I I don't know. I've, I've, I've talked to a lot of devs who would probably say that CSS is kind of, like, a necessary evil, maybe. Like, they just want to build their thing. And it then, you know, like, oh, I've got to make it look decent, too. And I feel like that might be where some of that frustration comes from. Do you kind of get that vibe as well? Or do you think like... I call it... um, Yeah, it's that people want... Okay, so programming for... Um, a server is so is so much different where you're the consumer of your code and the validator of your code. The, the thing that says you did the right thing, like your function is good. A server is so obvious and blunt and straightforward, right? And it's just like, you're just like, hey, I requested this thing from you. And it goes, hey, I give it back to you. And you're like, ah, oh, if, I, if I ask you in the right way, it comes right back the same, t- the same way every time. That predictability, that reliability, that is awesome stuff. But when you go to the front end, who consumes your work? a person and people are subjective and people might not like what you did. And that's frustrating to someone that just spent four hours making a good piece of UI. Whereas the server never complains. The server is like, I returned it to you again, exactly as you requested. And it's just a simpler, it's a simpler consumer. And so as a front end person, you're sitting between a human that needs to use it and a computer that needs to read it and understand it and draw it. You have more things to think about and design is hard and people don't like that. You know, they think, cause you, anyway, whatever, I have a whole, I could riff on that, but yeah, I attribute it to this, that uh, a person is much harder to build for than a computer. And most people are building for computers all day. And when they have to go build for a person, it's frustrating. And I understand that. So I don't know. I was going to say, do you feel like the pressure to have everything? Like I I was looking at uh, the CSS podcast site before this and I was like, oh my gosh, it looks so pretty. It looks so nice. Uh, Do you feel like the pressure to have everything you do be like super well-designed kind of because of your thoughts around this? Right. Yeah. And that I, and I'm like, I'm the CSS DevRel of Chrome. You better be super dope at CSS or else what the heck are you doing? Um, yeah, I totally feel that. But at the same time, I'm super humble about how hard it all is. Like, or I just think it's more relatable. Like I, I have zero interest in appearing to be the turbo master of CSS. It's more interesting to me to be like, hi, this stuff is hard and I can help you work around it and debug it. And I'll, I'll help you get to the solution. But I bump my way around it just like I do in any other language I write code. So yeah, back to this circling back to like, I don't write JavaScript perfectly. Do you sit down and write perfect React? Kudos to you. I'm actually not jealous. I think that's a little weird. I think that normal people, normal people struggle, even if they're good at something. And, uh, you know, an advanced programmer is really just a collection of failures um, in so much that they fail less now than they used to. Um, and I, and so, yeah, I'm totally willing to fail publicly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, at the same time, my tweets make it look like I am a super wizard. Cause I'll be like, look at this super sick design thing. And like one line of CSS, 
uh, and it's not very realistic because yeah, production is never ideal, right? Um, so anyway, and that's the other thing. Yeah, we have this like differentiation between like ideal code where it looks simple, and then you get to reality and like production, and production's always packed with all these edge cases and stuff like that. And I don't know. So anyway, I guess yeah, I, I kind of when I when I think about you know wrangling that and like the complexities of production, I guess. In my early days of CSS, it's better now, I think, than it used to be a long time ago. But I always felt like it was an exercise in, like, edge case wrangling in a very frustrating way. Um, I'm struggling to think of examples. But just be like, oh, this works 90% of the time, and then this one thing breaks, and I fix that, and it breaks something else. And when I'm coding, it was always like, oh, I can write a test and, like, get all, you know, these easily done, easily covered so I can understand everything that's happening. And I felt like with CSS, a lot of the rules I was writing would end up breaking other cases. Um, and again, I think that's better now, but do you think there's, do you think there's anything, any, any merit to that argument that like, it is just inherently more frustrating sometimes because there's so many of those little, like, there's so many possibilities. The, the canvas is so large, right? Like there's so many dimensions and accessibility options and all this stuff that can go haywire. Oh yeah. The task that CSS is tasked with is enormous. It's much more complex than just a JavaScript function. Mm-hmm. Um, but even JavaScript functions get wiggly too, right? Where you're like, uh, you, uh, you're talking about whack-a-mole. Where you're like, aha, bug, bug over here. And then you hit it and another one pops up over there. You're like, hey, what the, I just solved that. And then you, it's like, it happens forever. CSS definitely feels like it has that a lot because of this like global nature of things. And even with components, even really this comes down to um, inheritance, um, polymorphism, just the way that we sort of like, create and share work um it's really hard to predict how like all the the threads of a shared property of maybe it's a display property or maybe it's a color um to see the trickling effects of everything whereas like yeah javascript or in like a typed environment we try to this is actually why types are so important to people is like a refactor concept is you can trace uh this usage through all the different components and functions that need it and then you can know the impact of your adjustment and css it's harder to know that stuff we have custom properties and maybe you have like visual regression testing and stuff like that but it is much harder to track down the impacts of a change of code than it is in javascript and that's because of the multiple viewports that something has to be shown within right you have a small viewport like a phone large viewport like a desktop a screen reader experience a keyboard experience I have all these different contexts, dark mode, light mode, reduced motion, the um, matrix that you're expected to to handle with some CSS is so much more vast than JavaScript. And naturally, it comes with complexity and more moles to whack, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Exactly. Yeah. The, the, the balancing, I think, of like of the of the isolation, I think, is just it's a hard thing to do. And like, this is probably not how we approach a lot of problems, you know, when we, when we come into these things like thinking about all the edge cases first, like, no, I just want to put this thing in the middle of the page, right? And then, like, it kind of all, like you said, kind of gets derailed from there sometimes. Um, so, yeah, I, I totally empathize with that. Yeah, that transition from ideal solution to um, production is, it's always frustrating. Um, but that's okay. Yeah, you know, your JavaScript does the same thing. You had a, a function that you didn't even have to do the return brackets and your your uh, JavaScript function, you're like, just a one-liner. Bam, look at that. Simplicity. You can share this function. And then all of a sudden, like, someone shows up, hey, the user did this thing. And you're like, well, why'd they do that? You know, they they shouldn't do that thing. And now you have to go write an if statement in there. You're like, ah, add this stupid little if in here. Now I have to write a test for the if statement. Otherwise, the line of code isn't tested. And, and then another one comes in and you're like, my function's ugly and it was so pretty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. Um, <laughs> 
Yeah, totally. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I apologize for derailing us slightly. It just these kind of, I don't know, philosophical, oh, ideological discussions are always like. Feels like, related to me. Yeah. yeah it's, it's good. <laughs> it's good. Um, I'm curious. Uh, I feel like I always hear this like, do you think designers should know CSS? Like, where do you think design kind of fits in like this space? Um, do you consider yourself a designer? I guess kind of where does all that fit in? Nice. This is a good, a good big philosophical question as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, my answer is yeah. <laughs> and I have lots to say. I'll try to stay succinct. <laughs> I think that some designers. And, okay. Oh man, how do I start this? Let's start with phases. Um, I like to think about people and projects in phases. In early phases, a designer should not code. In early phases, a designer is optimal expressing ideally. And I want them to live in a world that's unfettered, that is free to express the right way without the limitations of any code. And that's the phase that we're in. We're in an expression phase. Um, And the code can be in a similar way. Maybe it's sloppy and loose and doesn't have a framework or whatever. But as you get a V1 and it turns out that people like it and something's steady, you start to harden your ideas and you harden your concepts and then you make a design system. And now you have a new role as a designer or you hire a new designer to manage the design system. And you can leave the expressive designer, which is, let's just call them graphic designers right now. You can leave the graphic designer to continue graphic designing. That is a valuable thing still in your organization that someone is knows zero code, but is very good at making something pretty because they are very different. Um, but then you have the systems designer that is going to go in and make things pretty and a system, which the system naturally starts to hinder the expressiveness of something. Now you see the tension that I'm getting in the phases that we're working through. Eventually you get into a space where your app is so um, hardened and you're on V2, V3, and now you've got all these CICD workflows and you've got visual regression testing. You're building up all this infra around your core experience you're less in an expressive workflow and you're now into this like tighter workflow where a designer who wants to get anything done needs to write code or be conscious of the tokens or they are too detached from reality. And so you get into this new phase where um, the delta between the expressive artboard reality and then the reality in your app is just too great that the artboards could chase this forever and they'd never be as high fidelity as the actual app. So a new designer needs to show up or you hire someone new that can work more directly on the code. Maybe this is a UX engineer. It's pretty much where I think I am, um, where I sit very much between a designer mentality and a developer mentality. And I try to find the harmonies and I make sure the user experience is benefiting. Um, I'll stop there. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, I, I, I feel like it would be hard. I'm not a I'm neither a designer nor an engineer, but I feel like it would be hard. Like, this is what I know how to do. And then this is what it needs to look like. But all of a sudden it kind of like, I do like what's kind of in the middle. And it's like the two had a baby and that's what I, that's what the outcome is. Um, Yeah. You're like too concerned with implementation details um, that it's hindering your expressiveness because um, you're trying to design for what's with what's going to be codable versus what, it should look like. And yeah, so I like having designers around that don't know code because they push the code into better, cooler, more unique things. They they just naturally are thinking outside of your box. And that's awesome. And you need those folks around. And you might also need a different type of designer around that knows more code. Um, so I don't think that there is one that is better than the other. I think depending on the phase that you're in and depending on the size of your team, you should have both and all of them. Um, 
in the same team. Um, I'm curious kind of what is um, like, what is your team working on or what's kind of the, uh, what's the push for uh, CSS in the future? Nice. Yeah, we have, a, so we have the CSS podcast is still going. We've got 40 something episodes or something where we cover really core concepts and we go into them in very computer science mentality. I think it's a healthy uh, study for beginners and non-beginners. I think you'll find something in there. Uh, so that's continuing to go out. I have a show called GUI Challenges on YouTube that's through the Chrome developers where I build a piece of UI. I'm like, hey, let's just get down to it. Let's build, like I built split buttons a couple months ago. I built um, a 3D game menu last month. Uh, I have a toast episode coming out uh, in a few weeks. And then I, and my whole thing of it is I'm like, I'm going to build something that is dark and light theme appropriate is motion respecting. So if someone has reduced motion needs, I'm not going to, you know, make them sick. Um, I'm going to make sure it's screen reader accessible. And I usually make it so that it's internationally accessible also. So right to left works and maybe even uh, Japanese or Chinese top to bottom, right to left type of thing. Um, and then I'm just like, Hey, here's how I built it. Uh, I pretty much give you all the code and I'm like, who wants to turn this into a component in their favorite framework or who wants to show me their way to build this thing? And so by the community coming together, uh, we can grow together by seeing all the different expressive ways that we can get that done. And then we also, so as a team, we have a learn CSS that's coming out or we've already released a bunch of modules on web.dev. So you can go web.dev slash learn CSS and you'll find modules that match. Uh, so it's like articles and visual demos that match the podcast episodes. So you can listen to the podcast and follow along with a demo, an article set, um, or just go through the article. And I don't know. Anyway, so we have those coming out. There's more modules coming out there. We had uh, Learn Responsive Design just came out. So we're trying to help designers um, understand their capabilities that they can use on the web. So like even comes down to like, how do you do responsive images? Images are super hard to serve these days. If you're using the picture element, you can swap sources, you can swap source sets, like the list goes on. And so there's like art direction that happens at the code level. And how do we give designers that knowledge? Uh, so we're working on that. Um, we've also got um, lots of stuff coming out of the dev tools. So the dev tools, we have a like a little SWAT team internally that w works on design dev tools and how to make designers more um, integrated in the dev tools. And we just, so like six months ago, we launched an angle tool. Anytime you see an angle in the dev tools, you can now click a little widget that pops up a GUI. So a nice little uh, sundial or a clock shows up and you can just rotate the angle right there live. You don't have to know CSS. It could be in radians. It could be in degrees uh, or whatever. The designer can pop it open and just rotate it and be like, this is the rotation it needs to be. And we just did the same thing with lengths. So if you see pixel values in your dev tools now, you can now drag a length value just like if you're in Photoshop. And it's really powerful for just going in and trying things out, being expressive, uh, making adjustments. And then you can also change the unit. So we added a unit switcher in there as well. So you can hover over the unit, swap to you know characters versus rims and try out how those different things work and also just explore what your units are. So we have dev tools that we're working on. I seriously, we have like more stuff. Um, our team has been really busy and we have uh, we have like an exciting thing coming out next month also. Um, and I have a little side project that's coming out next month. There's a lot of stuff coming out of our team. It turns out <laughs> CSS is like kind of on fire right now. I don't know if you're feeling it, but there's new stuff shipping like crazy. Have you seen what's in Safari with the color stuff? I do a lot of color work. The color stuff is so cool. Um, we have CSS nesting hit a first working public draft. So official um, nesting is anyway, we have developers are going to start prototyping that in Chromium soon. Um, Oh, the list goes on. I, I, yeah, it's really exciting times. There's tons coming out. Thanks for asking. Um, 
I mean, I think that might kind of segue nicely into um, like we have we have some notes on how like CSS is is growing really fast, kind of like you said, like there's so much happening right now. If you're new and coming in, like how do you not just instantly become overwhelmed? Like like if you know who what would you recommend to someone, I guess, who is like totally new? They're not might not necessarily be interested in in the cutting edge, but you know, like they would want to use it if that's what they should be doing for whatever reason. Like, how do you, how do you tell them where to start? Yeah. Uh, uh, just really quick too. So the answer, the quick answer is learn CSS is kind of our answer to that, where we're trying to make something that can let someone build up from nothing into something. But this reminds me of my favorite thing about CSS um, is developers. Okay. CSS is the easiest to get started with, right? Color red, boom, I'm a pro. Um, the hardest to master, like I've been writing CSS for, I don't know, 20 years. It's embarrassing to say, but whatever. And it's still, I struggle with stuff all the time. Um, but my favorite thing about this, this phase of CSS developer is like, you start out really timid. You're like, oh, okay, I'll just try a few things. And then after like a week or two, or maybe it's a month, someone finishes their first project and they literally are like, I am a CSS master. I, they feel so good about the things that they built. And then all of a sudden it re-crushes their entire soul again. It's just like, you don't know crap and you, it's going to be really hard to build advanced stuff. And they're like, oh no. And then they regress. But it's so funny. I'll see on Twitter, someone's like, just finished my first month of CSS feeling like a super rad you know awesome programmer right now and i'm like ooh, that's gonna suck next week when they get really struggle um but yeah learn css is our hope to do that where you go in you start from scratch you know here's the box model um here's how text lays out uh, and here's some demos that show you just these really basic things so that um you can you can get the foundation as you go. Because a lot of people, I don't think, start with the foundation. I think they assume front-end is easy. And I think they assume CSS is child's play. And so they attack it with a bunch of passion and a bunch of arrogance. And then they get they get crushed. And, and then they're like, oh, snap, I can't even put two boxes next to each other. Or I can't center something. And they're like, this was supposed to be easy. And so, yeah, I don't think our industry has done a favor of making CSS sound easy or making it yeah, it's quite difficult. And when it's done right, it's beautiful. It's like if you get in a car um, and the steering wheel is off a little bit, you don't care what the engine is. You just don't. You know, the steering wheel is off, like whatever. And so it turns out it's really hard to make a good steering wheel, right? And it's really easy to mess up a steering wheel. I like this stairs analogy too. Stairs are so easy to mess up. I know you've walked upstairs. You're like, who made these stairs? Someone made these stairs and they didn't try them first <laughs> because they're terrible, right? They're either too wide or they're too steep. And you're like, I guess you need a UX engineer to come in and make your stairs because they sounded easy. They look easy. They're easy to walk on, but dang, are they hard to build? Um, yeah. And CSS has that, that phase of, yeah, it seemed easy and then it creeps up on you. It's a creeper. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I guess that kind of, that kind of the call out of like, you can tell when something's off or unintuitive. Um, it reminds me of a book uh, by Donald Norman, The Design of Everyday Things, how like intuitive things should just work and be easy. And like, I guess I'm curious, do you think, do you think with all these new, like all the new work in CSS that's being, all the new things you can do with CSS, do you think there's um, like developers maybe will be pulled more towards like doing things flashy and adding animations and like kind of going over the top on like making the web page kind of too, I don't know, too much, too vibrant, too difficult to interact with maybe uh, just for the sake of like using the cool new stuff. 
I think that's a natural problem. We have that in JavaScript too, right? Look at our Babel configs. They're out of control, right? We're just like, I got to use the new question mark dot. You know, I'll spend four hours making my Webpack config work for all the browsers so I can type question mark dot, um, which I do love the existential operator. It's awesome. Or the Elvis operator. It looks like Elvis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, saves, you, saves you a line. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> saves you a line, right? Um, yeah. But yeah, I, um, let's see. The question originally, let's try to like roll back to it. Oh snap! It's just floating out of my. I'm sure it's. No, it's like, I, I mean, do you think? Do you think again? As CSS becomes more powerful, and this is again kind of like an ideological question. Again, like, <laughs> is there is there a fear, or is this? Do you think about like should should the web be this flashy and interactive and animated and all this stuff mm. versus just kind of like you know doing the like serving information well? Like, are those nice. at odds with each other, or do you think there's like you know there's there's interplay? Nice. Okay. This is a fun question. I'm going to answer it a little bit even higher level, which is, I think the reason the web succeeds is because it's weird. I think the web would be toast if it wasn't weird, if it was normal, like native apps and native apps have the opposite problem, which is they're normal by default and you have to make them weird. And so what people do in a native app scenario is they go, sweet, look at all my rad components. I'm going to go strip them all down. (laughs) And they go like, I'm going to take that out and that out. I'm going to do this weird thing in there. I'm going to do this weird thing. And you're like, well, okay. And then you go on the web and the web's like, I'm basically weird from the start. I give you primitive, you know, old school ape tools and you better figure out how to make something cool with these, (laughs) like a wheel. Like doesn't even give you wheels. Like you better bring your own wheel. Um, And so it's sort of like, uh, it's, it's weird by default and native is sort of normal by default. And I think that weird by default has a long tail and it has an excitement and it has like, sh- yes, sometimes people go overboard. You definitely have gone to a site and you're like, wow, you, wow, that's neat ish. <laughs> you're like, well, I don't know what you're trying to tell me, but you sure did some stuff. Um, yeah. And other, and other times you're like, I came here for a paragraph and I can't get it. It's covered in ads. It's covered in crap. It's covered in whatever. Um, so yeah, I think that that's par for the course of weirdness, and I'm I'm here for the chaos. I think the chaos and the the weirdness is a superpower, not a detriment. Uh, and then just real quick, a little lower level, like things like CSS nesting uh, is a superpower, and it will allow people to also write really really terrible CSS that is slow, possibly because they can nest themselves into oblivion. Um, and yeah, to create issues. So sometimes you you make an offering of a feature, which JavaScript has done this too, uh, that can be abused. And it's hard to know. And that's what these working groups really try to do is they try to look at the holistic landscape. What are we introducing? Um, what are the potential foot guns? How do we prevent the foot guns? You know, how do we give them all the sugar without the belly ache, I guess? <laughs> um, yeah, and it's, it's hard work trying to do that. But I think it's nice that, I think the web is better off weird by default, honestly. Yeah, Yeah. I guess that kind of brings me to another question I had on, on the working group specifically, is there, are there opinions kind of like, is there any strife, I guess, like um, in the working group kind of among, among people who are, you know, like CSS has a specific role. It shouldn't be doing more than it is right now, maybe versus like, Oh, CSS should be powerful. We should have like, you know, like variables and reactivity and all this cool stuff should be happening in CSS. Like, is that ever, uh, like, is there headbutting that occurs kind of at that level? Definitely. Um, you, and it's not consistent. So it's not like the same people are always defensive or other people are always introducing rad newness. Although I'd say, I'd I'd say I pretty much exclusively pitch rad newness. Um, 
but uh, that's also just like, yeah, um, but you need the folks there that are also doing defense. And so that's what's nice is I think that you have all these different people from different perspectives with different skill sets, um, all trying to like, for example, um, there is uh, international typography experts that that's what they specialize in is how to represent documents that are in Japanese. And they're sitting there in those calls. And sometimes they'll be like, oh, hi, I want to make a comment about that thing you just introduced. It'd be really bad in this one uh, Chinese character use case. And you're like, I'm so glad you're here. Wow, we would have shipped this and totally clobbered that. And that would have been terrible. And so having someone there um, being defensive that way is great. We also have web platform tests. So just like you have unit tests for your app, the web has tests for every single feature and browsers need to pass them. They don't pass all of them. They pass them mostly, most of the time. Um, but those are also there as like a good defense. So you have like structural defense so that things don't get introduced and totally annihilate other features. And then you have people that are in there trying to keep it well-rounded Um and yeah, I think it's a healthy tension. Um, there's times where it can get really heavy. Yeah, where folks are like really passionate uh, against something and you're like, wow, why would you really be, be and then, you know, they express it. And I think it's got a really good open vibe to it though. Um, yeah, good. Yeah. yeah. Cool. And again, yeah, I was just kind of, yeah, reading, like going and looking at like some issues and some discussion and it all did seem like very cordial. Like everyone was friendly and it seemed very open, but I was just curious, like, you know, if it ever got emotional or, you know, people had really strong feelings that were, it does, especially in the, in the threads. I think the GitHub yeah. issues is where you'll see some of the anger the most, which really it's because trolls show up and they like, they're like, hi, I didn't actually read any of the other threads, but I'm going to express my opinion right now. And here it is. And you're like, someone goes, Oh God, just another crappy opinion that didn't even read the stuff. You know, like they don't want to deal with them. Um, sometimes people get booted. Um, but I, I've seen a couple of calls where like the moderator, so there's always like a moderator who's part of the working group is just like, all right, thank you everyone for your very passionate discussion. I'm going to pause this right now and we're going to put it in the parking lot and, you know, or whatever. <laughs> um, I'm curious where you think like, adding to the complexity where like CSS and JS stuff comes into play and like uh, how you see that like going in the future. Yeah. Uh, CSS and JS is um, just a tool. I mean, you have to know CSS still. Um, It's almost like another layer, like a preprocessor. You're just sort of like, instead of expressing your CSS that way, express it this way. And you're like, great. I still have to know what I need to express. Um, And while it can help with a lot of things like scoping, um, naming, right? And people don't like naming their classes. Uh, Robo class names have been really great for CSS, like CSS modules. Um, there sometimes introduces more complexity than was there before. Like I think sometimes now you have to trace um, some objects getting extended that got extended by another object that now you're sort of like, how do I get my variant into this extended object? And you're just like, oh, this is a problem. I just... This is a lot deeper than it used to be. <laughs> you know, like my variants used to be in a media query and now they're in a funky string in a nested object in an extended object. Oh God, what did I do? Um, but at the same time, um, I don't think these things necessarily uh, stop people from succeeding or make them succeed. I feel the same way with frameworks. I'm like frameworks, people make it sound like how could you have ever built that warehouse without a framework when they're standing next to like 10 warehouses that were built without a framework. You're like, people do it and they're fine and they're 
successful businesses. You know, like you don't have to use framework X or CSS and JS to have successful front ends. I think sometimes we, here's an opinion. I think sometimes we over project um, success on our tools and we underestimate and undervalue the humans that actually made the tools do something. The tools just sit there in the corner. Like, okay, you've got a super garage. You NPM installed a ton of gadgets and look at your garage. It's rad. And then like, okay, what does your garage do if there's no people there? Nothing. It does nothing. Like you, people had to turn that into something cool. Like, can we give people more credit? That's basically what I'm here to say. It's like, can we give people more credit here? It's not React's fault that that succeeded. It's not Next that or Gatsby that made you succeed. It's not Emotion that made you a good front end CSS writer. It's not styled components. It's not those things. You were there. You sat down. You cared. You cared. You cared, and I thank you for that. And I don't care where you cared, y'all. If you cared about your CSS and JS, I'm happy. You cared about it. You gave a good UX. That's the goal. I think what we need to focus more on is um, that end user experience and less about our developer experience. Ooh, ooh, ooh that's a... I, I talked about with, I talked with Sean Wang uh, Swix about this exact thing, um, DX versus UX, and that's a whole other topic. Um, <laughs> hopefully that podcast episode comes out soon, but... <laughs> Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I might have to check that one out. Like I haven't really thought about those two ever being, you know, at odds with each other. Like, is there, are there any examples, I guess, that are easy to kind of conjure? Yeah. Like here, here's my vibe on it is like a DX um, first off is, is so much more than delivering UX. So it's kind of underselling developer experience by saying the only way uh, that DX is valuable is if you're outputting good UX. And so it always gets put in this comparison chart, like good DX makes good UX. And I'm like, good, good DX y'all does way more than good UX. Like, why are you even making this? Like it's one contingent moment of success. DX has so much more success to do with team enablement and team empowerment than it does the user experience. Like quit making it sound like your DX is failing if it's not impacting UX. I don't think those need to be directly tied. Second point is that um, good DX that makes good UX only works if someone put time and effort into to articulate the good UX. It's not like good DX by itself magically poofs UX into existence. <laughs> like someone had to go program the DX, right? So there was a human that cared. Again, here it comes down to humans caring about UX. A human cared about UX in so much they made it a system and a program and they built it into linters and they built it into the types and they built all this like good UX. A human still was there. The DX didn't make that. So basically UX, good UX existed first. <laughs> Someone hardened it into DX and now it's maybe trickling and feeding into other people's good UX because um, the guidance and the intelligence and the goodness was built into the DX originally. So anyway, those are the two points. I'm like, you're, you're underselling DX. Like DX's success isn't based on good UX and good UX is also way more than developer experience. Like it's just way more. So you're like underselling both of these things by comparing them. Like why? Like, and, and yeah, and good DX only comes if good UX existed first. So I'm like, I don't know why that cycle isn't expressed more, but those are a couple of the thoughts in a nutshell. Yeah, crazy. I'm like, I never even really, maybe I'm just, I'm just not in that space enough, but I haven't even really like thought of those two being at odds in that way. So, yeah. So, oh, there are Twitter threads that are yeah, heated. You know, oh, they yeah, are yeah. so heated. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. We'll, we'll have to link to that, uh, that episode. Yeah. 
yeah, if it comes out, that'd be a good one. Yeah, it's just, it's mostly designers that are just like, um, they they fight for good UX all day, and um, some of it never makes it into the app. And then there's other people that are like, our good DX made our UX improve, and you're like, they, and people get really upset. They're like, all day they fight for UX, and it might not make it in the app. Um, and then there's other people saying that the good DX is all you need, and you're like, that's fire. That's some fiery chat. Uh, anyway, yeah. Awesome. Well, Adam, thank you so much for coming on. Is there anything you would like to let our listeners know or want to shout out someone who, um, Brian always asks this question. Brian's one of our other hosts. He always asks, uh, is there anyone that you uh, want our listeners to go look at their Twitter or look at their stuff? (laughs) Uh, Nice. Um, Yeah. Check out Una Kravitz's work. She's killer. Uh, She's on my team as well. Um, Lots of great CSS um, sharing going on there. She's got really great articles about like 10 uh, CSS layouts that are in one line of CSS, um, just like cool little tips and tricks. And, and she's a really great advocate for all the stuff our team is making. Um, so yeah, check out Unicravits on Twitter. I think I did most of my shout outs just naturally in the middle of this. I shouted out, there was like a little spurt where I had like four minutes of just like shout outs. Um, but yeah, I think the GUI challenges are really valuable. I'd love to see your contributions as a, if you are an opinionated front end developer and you've built a split button, you've built a stories component, you've built I mean, I'm, I know you've built these things. Um, go share your style with other people. Show them how you built it because it's only going to level up everybody around. So, Awesome. Well, Adam, thank you so much for coming on and joining us. And uh, yeah, we'll see you around. Of course. See ya. Thanks for listening to Pod Rocket. Find us at Pod Rocket Pod on Twitter, or you could always email me, even though that's not a popular option. It's Brian at Log Rocket. <laughs>